Your sacred rebel, Ryan Ayo, talks about things that we're not supposed to talk about, but with a passion for being sacred and finding the important things and the truths in life and the universe. I'm so honored to get to introduce to you all to my friend Ben Z. Mund. He's a world-class photographer and getting into video as well with clients like Nike and more. He's been a huge inspiration to me and not only um, his professional career in that we're both in the same profession. He's also brought me on some sets to work with him for Nike, but he's also just a dear friend who has similar thinking. We actually grew up in the same town, Santa Rosa, so we bring that up in our podcast episode here. We also have a love for nature, and we have found ourselves talking over the years about things such as traveling, fine art, and all kinds of other mind-blowing things that we tend to agree on or at least see eye to eye on. And sometimes we don't see eye to eye, but that's the beauty of friendship in a positive sense in that you can see things differently but still encourage discussion. So today I bring you a great discussion with Ben that we had about things such as his ideas about how COVID-19 might inspire a back to the land movement. Um, He used to be a water witcher, so he's going to talk about the spirituality behind finding water or the science, whichever you may believe, and much more. So enjoy this episode. Who gave you that wicked fade? That was Taylor Matthews. Did you see? I just posted a podcast last night on the flip where he was giving me this haircut while we recorded a podcast. (laughs) Well, you know, I got it. I haven't seen that one. I'll check it out. It's fun. And I've got the (laughs) video and I'll be posting that to YouTube too. So you can see him like, do, 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 (laughs) do. It's so fun. You look good. I like the beard on you. Thanks. Yeah. I've never grown one before. What? Um, So this is the most beardy I've ever been. First time for a beard and first time for a podcast with video. Correct. <laughs> yes. Yes. What are we well, talking you, about today? Well, you know, whatever um, feels sacredly rebellious, but um, but I loved your comment about how you felt like people would be moving back to the land and more, um, more and more because of COVID nineteen. Mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, as you not as you might have you did you read at least the show notes for the first episode? No, Mm-mm. sorry. Well, no worries. Well, Sacred Rebel is uh, my opportunity. It started out as a way for me to just have a cathartic place for me to kind of come out of the closet, so to speak, about all kinds of truth theories, I call them, and um, you know, alternative thought processes that are just not talked about in the mainstream, alternative healing, alternative experiences like ayahuasca or forest ecotherapy that, you know, light, just all these different things that I'm really into, I've experienced, I've researched, but I don't talk about to anybody Mm. because it's just not like, for example, like I worry in, you know, on a regular basis, if the things that I share publicly will impact my ability to get a job with Nike or whatever, Mm. you know, like, and at this point with COVID-19, I've just been seeing so many people becoming so much more brave and more conscious that I'm just like, you know what? I just want to follow my heart. And if this means that I get to share some stuff that I finally share with people and they realize that they feel the same way, then how cool is that? You know? 
and you commented so i'm like all right ben let's do this (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that i think sharing i mean sharing your quirky side always well not always but oftentimes will endear you to people you know because because then you're everybody has a quirky side and otherwise things are kind of vanilla on a flip side of course like you know, if you started spouting things that were obviously like bad or wrong or that kind of thing, like then mm-hmm. it's then it's kind of like questionable. So I suppose right. you you need to um play it safe a little bit that way. Or yeah, I mean, well, if it turns out that you're a huge racist, then I suppose right. people should know. <laughs> right, right. You know, and I mean. The, even i mean so there's a black and white area right there it's like yeah if you're racist or being like a hitler then yeah that's gonna go over bad but you know it's even been scary for me to admit things like that movie that came out recently that caused quite a controversy called plandemic um i wrote about that and encouraged people to download it um and i got horrible feedback on that comment i was like oops so i took that post down because i felt like one of the comments was saying that I was promoting misinformation that could be harmful to others. So I thought, well, there's a good point. I don't want to, I don't want to harm anyone. So, you know, so I'm learning that there's, there are limits to what is socially acceptable in this truth theory stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So I am, I am planning to be careful and at the same time, if it's not going to, if it's clearly not going to cause anybody harm, but it opens up discussion that's healthy. Why not? <laughs> I yeah. suppose, but there's things like, for instance, like QAnon, yes. which is just total bullshit. And you everybody, think? yeah, I totally think it is. And the only reason it's like it, uh, of any interest is that it's it's like watching a, a freaking plane wreck, train wreck, whatever the yeah. term is. Yeah. And it's and and those kind of videos are fed to you through YouTube's algorithm because wow. they want to. Well, you've heard how YouTube changed their viewing platform uh, yes. a year or two ago right so yeah. it doesn't it doesn't send you down the path of like for me it's a lot of it's like home repair or or like photo based things and, and it, it goes from those to like check out this crazy footage of like the secret meeting between you know whatever it'll go yeah. down that path and it'll just get worse and worse because it's like that's what people will keep watching and then it and that almost entirely due to that algorithm, it promoted all this alt-right shit that's come up. Oh, can I say stuff like shit? This is totally not censored. So yes, we can say whatever we want. (laughs) You know, that's part of like how QAnon came to be. All these things where it's like, oh my God, there's, I mean, there's so many weird, weird things out there that are like, that are only there because it's just been spoon fed to us. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on, um, well, first of all, how are you doing, Ben, during COVID? If we're going to talk about COVID, I've been so wondering about you because, and I want to introduce you really quick to people, just so people know who you are, and I will do that through a pre-recorded little bit, but um, Ben, you and I have known each other for four or five years now, something like that. Yeah, at least that. Yeah. Yeah, and we both come from the same town of Santa Rosa, so we have some mutual friends, some mutual experiences. Um, and you showed this amazing art project in my gallery called, um, it was about, 
Lewis and Clark discovering rediscovering Portland in the modern day mm-hmm. with a very very cute uh, photography project that you did and created a calendar out of and so we we connected through the photography world and over the years we've we've come to know each other more as um, you know people who have a very similar mindset about life in general very conscious open-minded um, lovers of the natural world you know stuff like that but then on the flip side we also work in the corporate media world like making photo photography and video on a professional level and we've even worked together professionally a few times and so you're a friend of mine who I'm constantly looking to to how's business how's life what's going on in that world and then on the flip loving watching your social media channels and the trips you take the marriage that you the wedding you had out in California that I just totally loved watching and so I feel like we're a good fit for this show because you're exactly the kind of person I would see as somebody I would love to open up to about this stuff because in general I think I keep that kind of that part of myself a little bit hidden from a person like you because we have a tendency to keep in touch about work-related stuff and you know like I was saying earlier I wouldn't want you to know about some of my far out there thinkings because I wouldn't want to not get invited to a professional gig if you were worried that I would be spouting off conspiracy theories on the job or something. (laughs) (laughs) But on that note, I do uh, think about you a lot during COVID-19 and ironically, you had a comment on my post about the first Sacred Rebel podcast and you said, I think a lot of people are going to be going back to the land because of COVID-19 and you know, that was really, really interesting for you to say, Ben. Because here you are, a corporate photographer, working with a big client like Nike and uh, other clients that are huge. And you are the one who I know in this media world who's actually staying busy. You're the one. (laughs) In the photography video world, I don't know anybody who's staying busy. So that's exciting to me to hear that you're doing well. And I'd love to hear more about why you made that comment because if here you are, person that's you know very credibly successful in the media world making a comment that you think the COVID is going to cause this I would love to hear why you think that yeah Yeah. uh I don't know that was I gotta admit it was kind of spur of the moment comment I mean I but I after talking to people it seems like a lot of people are considering moving back to the land we certainly Uh, are are you uh, we've been talking to, about it for at least a year, at least like buying something. Um, oh. I mean, I, I grew up, I didn't grow up in Santa Rosa. I grew up in a little town called Willits, which is North. Okay. Um, uh, and there was, you know, it was, um, quiet at night. Like, I don't think wow. people in the city understand how quiet it can be. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I, also talk to people that live in the city and have gone out to the country or camping or whatever. And they're actually like kind of weirded out and freaked out about how quiet it is. Um, There's no white noise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I don't see, you know, I, I got to admit though, I, I don't think that unless you've lived in the country before and you have some wild notion that like, you're going to go pick up and move out to land and homestead. Good fucking luck. Because yeah. it is not easy to do. Yeah. There's so many things that that you have to do. You need a bolt for one little broken project. You got to drive into town 
and get it because you don't have it. Right. Um, everything is more expensive. You're driving all the time. Wow. Good point. Yeah. You know, um, you, you need to drive to get, you need to like, you want to go get groceries. Like you have to plan that. You don't just yeah. like, Oh, I forgot milk. I'm going to walk to get it. Cause you right. can't do that. Unless right. you got a cow. And, um, <laughs> Which is a realistic option if you're living on the land. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see it being a lot more available now that it sounds like a lot of companies are going to embrace work from home more. I know that Facebook, I've heard Facebook is. Wow. Um, My concern, and I got to admit, we're both Californians, but (laughs) a bunch of fucking Californians moving up here (laughs) with all their money and buying land up here before before you and I can. It's true. (laughs) And, and we are ones to admit that, you know, Oregon is very attractive to a person who loves nature. So, yeah, it, you know. Yeah, for sure. And it's it with climate change, it's going to be um, cooler and a lot like um, maybe California was when we were living there 20, 30 years ago. You know? Well, they, they're saying that actually they did a list of the top places to be for climate refugees and Portland, Oregon was the number one. Yeah, I saw and, that and on the list. You saw that? Yeah. And I think that was mostly based on um, racial equality for opportunities for people of minority status and lower income status to find a place to be that they would be oh. included, that they would be included. Because Portland has all these very uh, progressive policies for, you know, um, environmental justice and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. But it's also because of the climate here. It's just perfect. Yeah. 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 Well, I think the other thing that kind of that I bump up against too about moving out somewhere is you don't see your friends anymore. Yeah. Like um, yeah. you, like I have some really good friends, older couple, and they moved down to Silverton, which you know, if people don't know, it's it's beautiful. maybe forty five minutes from Portland here. Yeah, and beautiful little town. We see them once a year. And I used to see them once a month, at least. Oh. And um, that's what happens because, yeah. like, if you live in the city, your life is your life is moving faster. If mm. you're going to go, say, out to the country somewhere, like, you are not just doing it in the afternoon and coming back. Like, you're going out for a couple of days or you're going out for the whole day. And be able to take a whole day off, and especially with people with kids, it's like that you don't see your friends anymore that move to the country. You might sure. think that you're going to see people and you may see a few, but it's a different, it's going to be a different life. Yeah. So our ideal situation that we talk about is like, well, you know, we own the house here in Portland, but wouldn't it be nice to have like a big old triplex, like somewhere close in and rent out most of it and then like own land somewhere and be able to like still access it until we're ready to do something out there, you know? Um, that, okay, so that reminds me of the Anastasia Ringing Cedar of Russia books. Have you heard of those? No. You might like them. Um, and that's actually one of the topics I wrote about on my show notes, but so here we go. I'll, I'll mention that a little bit. Um, basically in Russia, there's a huge eco-village movement that started um, encouraging people to do exactly what you just said, buy these, what they call little dachas or dachas, I'm not sure the Russian word, um, and it's a plot, usually an acre or less, out in the country, usually about 45 to an hour away from the city or more, dependent, but just enough where they can get out into nature, but still be 
closely accessing the city because what they do then is they live in the city and they go out and they start developing gardens and maybe a small place to live yeah. on the week on the weekends and then they eventually move out there but it takes oh, cool. years usually to kind of or some of them never move out there and they stay in the city but they have a place on the weekends where they can go be in touch with nature grow their own food keep oh, their cost cool. of living down in the city they harvest bring it back to the city and um you know that was all sparked by when the fall of cap uh, uh communism happened um people were br broke in russia and um they started getting really thrifty and when these books came out about encouraging people to do this it blew up and now people have a way to live more financially economical lives by doing this and still live in cities. This is in the show notes. I can check I, it out. Well, yeah, just the name Anastasia Ringing Cedar of Russia books. Okay. But yeah, if you Google Anastasia Ringing Cedar of Russia, there's 10 books. And if you even just read a few chapters into the first one, you'll get a good gist of it. Yeah. And I uh, will admit there's, there's another side to the books, which you have to understand which is that there's a big question about whether the books are true. Oh. The guy who wrote the book claims that he met this woman out in the wilderness who lives off the land and she's very spiritual and she's very mystical. And a lot of the things he claims she said and did are very mind boggling. You're like, what is this possible? Is this true? Get past that. Because I think after many years of savoring, <laughs> well, it's not true. Well, here's the thing, though, and that's the thing, like, he even says at the very beginning in the forward, like, the question is not whether these books are true or not. The question is whether these books spark your imagination about what is possible. And that's what I love about them. Because after years of reading them, like, sure, of course, when I was reading them, most of my mind was focused on, is this true? But years later, what stayed with me are the ideas of what's possible. And I don't even care anymore whether it's true or not. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's if it's like, teaching us how to you know spark our imaginations about living like we're talking about in the future then why not read these books mm -hmm. you know yeah i um i think that it kind of reminds me of talking to a lot of the um my parents generation who lived in the country back you know in our our old area down there and santa and rosa willits yeah ukiah like the 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 a lot of them came out during the whole back to the land movement in the 70s yeah you know bought land and because their thought was the world is not going the direction that we want it to and and we you know we're going to move to the country and make our own community yeah. um and a lot of them were really successful and and i feel like um well you know the weed industry had a lot to do with supporting them too in a lot of places but so there were a lot of artists making livings that way. A um, lot, lot of creatives out there. And it was, it was spawned through an idea, a taste of magic, um, the drug movement and the, you know, the psychedelic movement, like, and, and uh, um, that was, I, I feel like it's kind of cyclical that way. And it feels like maybe it might start happening again for different reasons, but um, beautiful. That was the those are the people that I grew up around, and um, well, that says a lot about you. You're so zen and open-minded <sighs> and artistic. That, but yet you have this other side of you that's very good at business, and you're 
you're technically very proficient and like you create these machines for these Nike shoots that are like, what? You know, <laughs> so it's like you you balance both worlds really well. And I can see Thanks, that. Ryan. Yeah. I, 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 you know, we always joked in the sustainable communities that I lived in that our kids were going to be city people because we're, we, we, we would be pushing so hard on these kids to love nature and, and of course, and, you know, and love alternative living. Of course, kids tend to do the opposite of what their parents do. So yeah. you might be a good example of that. You turned out beautifully. <laughs> well, what about Anastasia? What's she leaning towards? Total, total city girl. Total city girl. <laughs> but she's, she's excited about the prospect of moving back to the land. She just says, you know, we have to have friends around. So that's interesting that you brought that up. Mm-hmm. She's very social. Does she like nature? She loves nature as far as playing, but as far as appreciating, you know, getting out to exercise and be in touch with the natural, that could, she could care less about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I might just come with age. Right. I hope so. Yeah. But she, she, you know, she appreciates like grabbing a dandelion, poofy and like poofing them or Uh chasing butterflies and creating a story about the fairy that she's chasing or whatever, you know. Uh-huh. that that's what she enjoys and i feel like her imagination goes wild in nature and she doesn't even realize that it's because it's nature so that that makes me happy mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so when you lived you you live in santa rosa and then you lived in hawaii for a long time right oh yeah so was there community out there was that kind of a back to the land thing for you it's yeah. actually kind of what got me into the books the anastasia books and yeah, because we were living basically on the land with very little money. All of us had um, unique ways of making it work, but mostly just, you know, like in Hawaii, it's so easy to live. Like you don't need a house. You can live in it. We literally lived in a carport on pallets mm. and the, the carport costs like what? I don't know. They're like $150 at Costco or something <laughs> and they're perfectly waterproof. So, and they're yeah. huge. We've taken those to Burning Man, I think. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're great. I mean, and in Hawaii, the weather's always perfect, although it does rain pretty hard during the day sometimes. And you have to kind of watch out for black mold. But we all had ways of sharing techniques to avoid that. And um, just the gardening there was just so prolific. You could grow all year round. Hmm. You know, so we were just like literally doing kind of what we're talking about but back in like what was the year it was 2012 through 2015 and it's funny ben because i think at that time the hippies like we were hippies full disclosure (laughs) and uh, we were totally part of a movement during that time in history to kind of recreate what our parents were creating in the 60s but i think it kind of died down i think all of us kind of got real about a lot of us had kids you know and a lot of us were a little bit homesick for the mainland and I think most of us lasted about three years on Kauai and then left Hmm. some of them are still hardcore doing it but those are the far and few between so where was there someone that bought land and then you guys all lived out there or yeah so Jack uh I'm sorry Jack um so do you know the band um, Crosby, Stills, and Nash? Uh-huh. So Nash, Graham Nash of that band who grew up with John Lennon and stuff, he has lived on Kauai ever since he got famous because it was kind of his escape. 
and um, he built this little kind of, um, I don't know, bungalow heaven out in this mountainous area of Kauai. And there's like all these small little homes and then there's gardens everywhere. And they were very, they, so they raised their, their kids like that. Well, guess what? All of all, was it three or four of the kids? Most of them moved to cities like New York or San Francisco or LA. But one of them, Jackson, the youngest one, the baby, stayed on Kauai and became the super environmentalist hippie dude. Nice. And so he said, dad, all I've ever wanted from you is just a piece of land. And so his dad's inheritance to him was a piece of really, really, really run down property at Jackson's request because Jackson wanted it to be relatable to other people. So they bought like a $25,000 piece of property, which was I think it might've been more like a hundred thousand actually now that I think about it, but still relatable, you know, something that any of us could do. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just trashed. It was like, like a dump. It was basically a dump and all overgrown with Buffalo grass. It's like 12 feet tall and cuts you when you walk through it. And um, they've restored that land into this Eden mm. with that, with the help of us community living there. And, um, you know, it went through its growing pains and a lot of us left partially because of the challenges of living in a communal setting like that, but also partially because we were just all going in different directions. Um, and so he's been kind of keeping that going. And I think he's, he has more of like a woofing mentality on it now. You know, oh, what? Well, oh, the, the woofing. There's not the like sound meditation or oh no no the you know woofing like woof yeah that's rolfing good job um no willing workers on organic farms oh you can travel and get a job on an organic farm i think he's i think they're doing more of that i mean they do have a few people that live there permanently with them but the 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 people change so they're kind of just leading the way on hawaii for an example of how to create a permaculture paradise out in Kauai with the knowledge that he's had his whole life of you know the plants that grow well there and all that but it's interesting that you say that it's hard to do that because you know another thing that we haven't talked about is that that knowledge is basically lost on our generation yeah. you know like what time of year to plant and how to sprout seeds correctly because they're all different and you know yeah. all that stuff is just we don't know it anymore yeah. So I think that's, for me, the big scary thing about moving back to land is like, could we even do it? Could we even grow food, you know, well? (laughs) Uh What are your thoughts on that? Gosh, I don't know. I I haven't done like large scale food farming before. I think. Have you even gardened? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I I lived in the country. Mm -hmm. Cool. So. So you know how to grow like some lettuce and some you know, being snackies or tomatoes or yeah. <laughs> cool. Are you doing that here in Portland? Well, uh, my wife has a small garden here, so I haven't been doing too much. Yeah. Have you started that since COVID, since quarantine? A <laughs> COVID garden. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a great word. <laughs> I think that there might've been like some spurring of that, but we had one last year too. So we do, okay. we do them. But um, yeah, I know some, I certainly know some folks that have like gone a little more hardcore, like went out and got chickens and wow that whole bit, which is funny to me because like, it's that whole thing where people are like, oh, I'm going to get 55 gallon drums in the storm with rainwater. Or you could spend five cents and fill a 55 gallon drum with municipal water. 
That's true. That's um, true. Or you could spend, you know, $15 on like a super organic giant chicken of some kind and store it <laughs> because the feed and all the upkeep and all that stuff for chickens. I mean, I guess you get fresh eggs. Yes. So, and I guess there's kind of an egg shortage right now. Yes, that's true. Um, you know, it's funny. So even going back to your original topic, like people, people move back to the land because of COVID, you know, even just growing gardens, I've noticed like, it's like the victory garden movement, but I like COVID gardens. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's true. I wish we would kind of move back to the, um, the, the, what was it? Depression era style of like trying to, to grow your own food and yeah. I don't know. I got to admit, like, it, it's, it's been nice to walk around the neighborhood and everybody's working on their homes and their gardens I and I love it. going for walks with like all these happy dogs. It's like, oh, this is, this feels like the community that I want. Amen. You know? Doesn't it feel, you know, I, it's funny you said that. It feels like it was when we were kids, doesn't it? Like people used to get out and do stuff like that. And oh, it yeah. stopped because of cell phones, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Or just in general, like so much social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I got to say too, video games. It's like kids will just mm. set down and play like um, as a reward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or not just because our parents are trying to keep them busy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have to say on that note, um, I feel like a lot of parents have been struggling during COVID on what to do with their kids because schools are closed. Yeah. And we have struggled so hard with our daughter on the screen time. And um, we're just finding a lot of parents are kind of trying to not shame themselves or their kids over it too much right now because it's such a crisis and nobody knows what they're doing anymore. Oh, shaming them over using too, too much, much screen screen time. Yeah. But I think a lot of us are, you know, okay, we got to be careful about this and we're conscious about this, but dang it, what do we do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we're stuck inside and we're not allowed to go out that much and it's just been hard, you know? So, but I agree. I mean, it's something that we do need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you, are you guys planning to have kids, Ben? That's funny. We were just talking about that today, but yeah. uh, we're like on the fence. Okay. Mostly, mostly off, off the fence. Okay. You never know though. <laughs> it's true it's true um what would be an in, in, in um what am i trying to say that word uh what would be uh an encouraging factor something a factor that would make you want to do it oh man what are the pros have you done a pros and cons list i think it for me it would be um like a severe environmental change you know like in the positive because i I don't have too much faith in, in the way that our environment's going right now. And, and I would have a really hard time bringing a kid into that world where they just see the decline in our ecosystem. Yeah. Um, but what do you think? Like, so you're saying like something as positive as like what happened to the skies in LA during the shutdown, maybe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this has been great for the environment. You know, yeah. it's like, we really found out what, who, who the real disease is, you know, right? and it's us. Yeah. Yeah. We're the problem um what so. do you think that you know it's funny you say that because i believe if we keep this um working from home thing going we might see a permanent reduction in air pollution yeah yeah i i would really um 
I would really welcome that. I, I think that would be fantastic. I, I was getting excited, even though I think Elon Musk is kind of a tool. <laughs> I agree. Um, he's a weird man. <laughs> he's, such a, he's such a dick. Um, but, his, product, his product is amazing, but dang, he's a weird man. <laughs> yeah, when he was talking about that Hyperloop thing, that, mm-hmm. that made me really excited about moving back to the land. Because mm. like, if that thing moves as fast as people say, and people can work from home, as well like then the sky's the limit on where we could live because you know if it's shooting out just using oregon as an example like if it if it goes out to idaho or it goes you know west or even you know if it goes between say here and eugene yeah if it takes less than what what were they saying like half an hour yeah it was like 20 minutes to seattle maybe half an hour to eugene was it like an hour from san francisco to la or something thought it was yeah something like that so it's like if it stopped anywhere along the way like you could live in that zone yeah and you could work in portland yeah and you could live like you could live in eugene and work in portland yeah um easily yeah people could live rurally and then it would spread things out a little bit yeah i don't know if that's good or bad for the environment yeah okay so you want to get into something about transportation that i believe and here's my chance to be a sacred rebel about it have you ever looked into any of these ideas of oppressed free energy devices or things that the supposed oil industry has like oppressed? I've never seen one that's real. Okay. But have you heard about the, the idea that it? Oh yeah. I've seen gone? YouTube yeah. videos of okay. people pretending yeah. that they have something spinning with like a battery hidden on it. Yeah. Well, when I was on Kauai, do you know who Nassim Harriman is? Yeah. I've, I've met him a few times. Yeah, what? You yeah. met him. Where'd you meet yeah, him? Yeah, he used to he used to come to um, uh, some events that some friends of mine threw a lot. So I, I've hung out with that guy quite a bit. Oh wow. Okay, so I met him on Kauai and and went to his yeah. compound where he was researching, and he walked me right by the lab, but he wouldn't let me in, uh-huh. um, where they were doing the research on his free energy device. Mm-hmm. So I believe that there's something there. Do have you talked to him about his work in that field? No, it was uh, the stuff I talked to him mostly was about like Event Horizon. Okay. Kind of. Wow things but um which is where there's an infinite enlargement and an infinite smallness of the universe right and we're yeah. kind of right in the middle mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that what you're talking about generally yeah. Cool. yeah yeah he has a really interesting philosophy that's based in his idea of science you right know? um <laughs> which is what i tend to lean uh, spiritually yeah i don't beautiful. necessarily beautiful. agree with everything that he says but yeah well, that's beautiful. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I love hearing about too on this podcast, which I'm hoping to talk more about is just leaning towards something that maybe not be the mainstream narrative. And that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. What, I, huh? Go ahead. Oh, what? Go ahead. You were going to say something about him. Oh, I was going to say something about free energy. I, mm. I think that like to say that there, you can create something out of nothing goes against like, yeah, that one of the main principles you know like e equals mc squared like that's isn't that proven it's a proven scientific it's not a theory anymore honestly i think it's uh it's it's nasim harriman that could answer that question best because i think nasim has actually solved an equation of e equals mc squared that hadn't been solved yet Hmm. according to him right have you have you heard about that no yeah so he he basically Oh gosh, I'm going to get in the territory where I studied years ago and I can't remember anymore, but he basically 
solved for the equation of the quantum physics part of E equals MC squared that hadn't been proven yet. So mathematically, he, he basically thought outside of the box and kind of was able to solve for that part. And I think what it all relates to for him is that um, what you're talking about where physics, you can't break the law of physics, what his point is. So it's interesting we're talking about Nassim because he changed my mind about what you just said. The point is, is that when you look at math and physics from a spiritual perspective, that changes everything. Hmm. And then these, these ideas of like the torus field, have you ever seen that? that shape where the energy goes up around back down yep. and back up again. Yep. That's... So they're saying that that's the foundation for free energy. Huh. Huh. And it, and it somehow fits within the laws of physics because it's looking at physics in a spiritual dimensional way. And I think the spiritual dimensional sacred geometry is what causes the, the infinite feedback loop. Does that make sense? Hmm. Oh, thank you. Yay! And so if you apply that to like a spaceship, for example, then you can basically create a bubble in space time, which is part of the E equals MC squared equation. And you can move through that bubble infinitely and not run out of energy. And also you can super fast travel and turn at speeds that are super fast and not feel the G's because the gravity, there's no gravity. Hmm. Or some, or the gravitational field is acts different. So when you're talking about hyperloops, I always think of like, well, what about that technology being applied? <laughs> if it's if it's there, and if people like Nassim are claiming they're working with it, you know, yeah. So I hope that that comes out. But he's poor guy. He's just like, he's his life has been threatened, so he has to be very careful about coming out with it. At what has right his life been threatened? Um, for what reason? What he told me is that he has been thwarted over and over and over again. Um, and that, you know, of course his life is in danger at any time because if the, if he, if he takes it out to the public in a way that harms the oil industry, then, you know, his life could be threatened. So he has to like mostly just deal with them, uh, trolling his work and causing him setbacks financially and stuff like that uh yeah i don't i i support it but i don't necessarily believe it gotta admit i think i'm more yeah. of a cynic when it comes to that stuff yeah. like i want to be able to if i if he's hiding it and yeah. he can't see it it's like yeah. uh, you know, I, know i mean like anything else i'd be like i don't know man <laughs> yeah well i have a friend who was living on Kauai at the same time we were, and she's and she used to work for Apple. She has the patent for the first Ethernet card built into the first Apple computer. So she worked directly oh, wow. with Steve Jobs, and she went to UC Berkeley for engineering. And she's an interesting conundrum because she confirmed to me that she met Nassim on Kauai and worked with him in his lab and knows that the machine exists and it is it works. Huh. But the problem is the application uh, at the level they're at right now wouldn't work. Like it's it like power Casio watch rather than like a UFO, right? Uh, uh -huh. So like the, the theory has been proven, but the application is not working right now. And sh as an engineer, she was gonna help him apply it because 
she went to India and did some sacred journeying, spiritual journeying. And while she was doing that journey, she got a download for how to make it work. Mm. Um, but here's an interesting point. She went to work with Nassim and after you know a little while of them working together, she said his ego was getting in the way mm. and she couldn't deal with it. And I have heard that about Nassim and I experienced a little bit of that myself with him. Um, so she bailed on the project. And so I was like, so when are you going to, when are you going to make your version of this? And she said, well, it's all about funding and safety. And so she was saying the same things that Nassim was saying. It's just like really hard to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, why, why hide it? You know, like, yeah. why not like seed it everywhere and let, let, and crowdsource it if it's Ooh. really something. Cause that seems That's like a good point. He doesn't strike me as the kind of person that wants to just hold on to all the money from it, right? So, well, actually, that's kind of the that's what she had to deal with with him. Uh, the, e the ego was about who gets credit for the invention, uh, and she was like, "Oh, come on." Yeah. <laughs> so, and she she being a woman felt his um, patriarchal energy was a little bit off, mm -hmm. and he's also in. Well, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, never mind. I was gonna say something else, but I won't say it. <laughs> you have to cut. You have to cut all this out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a really really sweet guy from what I know and what I, but like as all of us, he has his issues, you know, and I, I I witnessed some of them. And what did you think when you met him? Did he seem ego I mean, sweet? Gosh. Yeah he he seemed very sweet. I didn't yeah. see the ego so much okay but he was doing mostly like he would do a talk yeah you know so we'd have a bunch of people get together and yeah have like a like a weekend yeah getaway and then he'd do a talk about yeah so i filmed one of his talk and ended up doing some video work with him and his team and oh that's where i ran into some problems it's just a little a oh. little, little challenging on that project <laughs> yeah. but, but he you know he's not on Kauai anymore i think he's like on the big island i think uh-huh last i heard he moved and like i think he kind of went deeper into secrecy at that point because whatever happened was not good why he had to leave Kauai. you think when, you'll ever move back there you know it's funny you ask that so we've always had the dream of having like a dual life where we like winter in hawaii and then like summer in the pacific northwest mm -hmm. but um i don't know if we'll ever move back there unless we had the financial resources to do that and right now with this situation we don't we don't know what's going to happen in the future yeah how has this impacted you work-wise well it's interesting so when the, sh the quarantine started happening we were financially doing better than we've ever done we had more clients i actually couldn't even keep up with the work i was so busy and um, I was starting to hire it out. And then all of a sudden it just went crash off a cliff. Like every single client canceled. Yeah. And I was even, I was even getting asked for some refunds and we were like, Oh man, we're going to go into debt giving these refunds. So like <laughs> we worked it out so we didn't have to get any refunds by, um, you know, rescheduling, pivoting the project and rescheduling and stuff for okay. further down the road. And um, so we've got, you know, our plate full down the road, but right now we actually still had a lot of projects I needed to finish. So I've been working solid for the past two months, um, just finishing work, but with no pay because they've already paid for it mm -hmm. and no new deposits coming in. 
So it's been stressful. And then, um, so we applied for the, all the government assistance, you know, and we didn't, we didn't, we just got a letter the other day. We're not getting any of it. Really? Yeah. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, well, we do know why they said that it's only for, for employees. Like you have to have employees. That's the only reason. That's the only way you can get the SBA loans right now. And as an, as self-employed business owner, I have contract people that work with me, not employees. Yeah, that's crazy. I have a friend that doesn't have employees and he did it. How, how will you get him in touch with, can I get in touch with him? Yeah, Cause I want to, I tried know, to prove right. it. Who is it? I'll put you in touch with them. Okay, cool. Yeah. So with, with the letter we got just said that the payroll documentation that we provided did not support the amount that we were claiming, meaning I don't know, but I think we didn't do it right because we gave them like, like proof that we had paid them through our bank account, but not like payroll. Mm-hmm. We don't have, we don't have payroll because yeah. they're sub, they're subcontractors. Yeah. So we think that's what went wrong. Oh, you were trying to get money for your subcontractors. And for me, because we went, we, yeah, we, you can't get money for your subcontractors. That's uh, probably why. That's probably why. Okay. And then the OMPA, the Oregon media professionals association. Uh-huh. Are you part, are you a member of that? I used to be. Okay. We, we just joined right before the pandemic. And so okay. they, they had a class on how to get this government assistance for, you know, most of us media makers who are self-employed. And the one thing that I took away was that as a self-employed owner of a company, you can qualify for paycheck protection program as long as you have proof that you take a, a paycheck. Yeah. But we don't have proof that we took a paycheck. So we just gave them our bank account records and that didn't work. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So. All the more reason to be like super tight with your records and stuff, you know? Yeah. I really, I really um, feel like switching to a corporation where I get like a paycheck has made a huge difference in how I save money. That's cool. I, and so I, you do that? Yep. Oh, I, great. I, yeah, I pay myself bi, bi-monthly. That's and, great. And then since I'm an employee, it's easier to keep record of that kind of thing. I, and you can't do it for contractors because it would be like, mm. I mean, for instance, it would be like Nike getting funding so that it can right. just pay us to not work, you know, for them. Yeah. That's like, so. Well, and you work for Nike too. And I know, well, first of all, it was you and then my friend um, from Story Gorge, um, Sean O'Connor, he has a video producer too. And both of you have been working for large companies. Like he works with REI and um, other big outdoor companies like that. And doing video work. And so he and you have both created, I think, well, he created an LLC, I think. What did you create? I have an S Corp. I had an, I had an LLC. Okay. And both you and he had told me at one point that you were taking owner draw paychecks. And so I was really moved by that, but have never really had um, the, the motivation to really get that going until this. And so Mm. you don't have to convince me anymore. I'm definitely going to be getting that going. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's important. And so, okay. So by, uh, on that note, we've, one of the things we've been wondering about you is um, what are you doing now for work? How are you, are you just continuing the same work you've been doing or is it changed? Pretty much. Yeah. What? I, what? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, I can't get into too many specifics just okay. for safety's sake, but like okay. uh, I've been doing like very pared down shoots, kind of like how I used to do them Yeah. Um, where there's virtually no one on set. And so, um, 
uh, and in a way that if there is someone like a Silas there that we're staying separate and we don't touch the same things. Nice. Um, and if there's a model there, like I'm not anywhere near them. Um, and so it's kind of all sectioned off. And since I, since I cool. have done all the teching myself and used to shoot solo and I, I, and I understand technically very well how to do both video and photo, just maybe not, um, very very not easy to, to do it to do it yeah. all by myself yeah but like um then i've been able to kind of keep the regular thing going that way well, that's really... I, have, I have pretty stable clients yeah you do and you know one of the things that even the people that i know in this industry who have stable clients is a lot of them are more hollywood oriented and Hollywood's yeah. just shut down because of not being able to figure out yet how to get back on set so that's awesome you almost seem like you're leading the way in that that's great yeah, they, in fact, um, one of my clients like used the shoot that I did as a template for how to do all shoots. <laughs> so there's like screenshots of, of, of me it. in gloves. <laughs> that's great. Wow. That's so cool. So you really are setting an example. See, that's the kind of innovation that you've always shown me. You're really oh, good with being innovative in this industry. I, I think that's what's so fun about it. It's like, it comes back to also like living off the land, off the land, but on the land. It's like you, you, you have to innovate and you have to, if this doesn't work, what else is going to work? Right. What's the most efficient way to do this? Yeah. And it's just like, if you're doing carpentry or doing photography, just working with your camera, it's like you understand after a while, like this is the most efficient process, but if this breaks, here's my alternatives that yeah. I can do. Um, okay, well, it's managing your time, it's managing your equipment, it's understanding like replacements or additions. And um, when you live in the country or you live on your own out in the woods, your whole life is that way. It's not yeah. just your camera, it's not just your, your job. It's like, oh, we don't have any water. This is what's wrong. How do we temporarily fix it until we can really fix it? And it, it's managing your whole life that way. Yeah. Um, and so moving, moving that into a career uh, for me was a little bit easier than, cause I was a, I was living in the country and I was, I was a well driller, you know? And that's so, like, right. That's right. <laughs> I forgot which, you had that background. That's a very manual labor background. <laughs> yeah. And to bring that little bit of mysticism into it too, I was also a dowser. Meaning that like, oh, that's we, right. we witched water where water was underground. Ben. And, um, yeah. So like, uh, what? Uh, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> say, wait, wait, back up. You've told me this before, but like for the sake of the audience, uh-huh. how does, what's the spiritual aspect of that? Well, I don't think there is a spiritual aspect of it apart from like, well, my, I guess my personal spiritual belief is that there okay. really isn't like any magic out there it's just stuff that we haven't experienced yet you know oh, it's like beautiful for instance like the aboriginals are at least you know when they're living naturally out on the the land like are adept at finding water like they can find it intuitively yeah and we're mostly water like it shouldn't be hard for us to key in on where there is water in the ground wow. And so when you're doing things with sticks or willow branches, trying to witch water, you, 
really just set some, it, I, we would use um, brazing rods, which are like kind of thin copper rods. They're like maybe two, we'd have them like two feet long and you bend them like a little gun, you know, like this. And you, you put them in your hand and they come up and they go out and you hold them kind of like a gun with your thumbs out. And then when they would cross is where you were walking over a vein of water. And then oh they would gosh. kind of come back out. But How, so you would hold them lightly so they could move. Gonna hang. Yeah, like a, a stiff breeze would push them in. Okay. But whoa, my it's not like they're moving magically. Like okay. you, you may not know it, but you're allowing them to come in. And okay. it's because your body is in tune with where there's water. Like I remember coming across some huge springs, you know, like that would just, it'd be a dry hill full of maple and you come up on a spring. Like I, we did one with Kendall Jackson, you know, that winery. Yes. And um, it was just this hillside of maple. And then there was like a 600 gallon a minute wellhead, just like spring head coming out of the ground, just gushing, free flow, no pump, just like wow. starting a, 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 a decent sized creek, like right there. And before you even got to it, like you could feel it, like, you know, like, it felt a little cooler, yeah, but like there was this sense of water. Huh. And that's what I think dowsing is, you know. Um, I've never paid attention to that. It's like your body is obviously in tune to things that like you're not always consciously aware of. And wow, you know. So, just, okay, so it's not like, okay, so you know how, okay, I'm gonna get in a little new age here, but you know the Ouija board? There's yeah. two, there's two Very ideas. similar. It's, okay, so there's two ideas I've heard about that. One is that it really is spirits, or two that it's um, your muscles having micro movements, and you're actually intuiting. You're just using intuition and allowing your muscles to kind of guide the Ouija board. And so, yeah. if you're in touch with anything, it's just it's happening through muscular movement rather than a spiritual hand moving it. Yeah, I is that kind of yeah. yeah? Very similar. I similar think. to yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So but I mean, then. You, you but then, you know, people would say that's magic uh, 200 <laughs> right. years ago, right? right. Or right. that you're like a witch. Yeah. But then maybe 100 years from now, they're going to be like, oh, like your body is in tune with water. Like you're just yeah. moving the sticks a little bit unconsciously. And, and it's like science proves spirituality there in a way. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like those people so many native people are way more in tune with their surroundings than we are yeah. and and to be able to like i'm sure if you ask an aboriginal like they'd be like well i just know it's here because i feel it or whatever it might be you know like right. or i know that like when i smell this plant in this one area that there's probably water and they wouldn't even necessarily be conscious of the signals yeah it's what drives them in their core and they just know you know yeah so it, it, it's interesting too because do you know like those sayings like there's a there are 13 what is it the 13 tribal elder grandmothers who have gone around doing some sharing around the world have you heard about them no they're they're 13 grandmothers from different tribal cultures across the world so they, they their cultures have never been in contact with each other and the thing that's so amazing about them is they all share the same wisdom the same knowledge base they're tapping into something and they all have the same thoughts and beliefs and 
one of the things they said together as a collective, these elder grandmothers have now gotten together and traveled. And one of the things they spoke to, I think in the late eighties or early nineties before cell phones came out is they, they predicted that we would soon in the very near future be able to send our thoughts to each other through the air. Mm. But what they were describing was cell phones. Mm. And so at the time we might've thought, Oh, that's magic. That's weird. But now we just go, Oh, it's a cell phone. Uh-huh. So, you know, like, and back in the day, like if you asked somebody a hundred years ago about some of the things that we have in this world today, they would be like, that's crazy. That's no, you know, so I think what you're talking to about the hundred years from now is interesting too, because uh-huh. what are the things that we'll know a hundred years ago, a uh, hundred years from now that right now we consider magic or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think people a lot of the time were burnt at the stake for being witches when they were just a little bit more in tune with something. I love that. That's so relevant to this podcast, too, because I think what I'm trying to do is open people up to a little bit of that, you know, that thinking that, hey, you know, a lot of these topics are not witchcraft. <laughs> They're actually uh-huh. worth talking about. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that's a very practical example. Water witching. Wow. <laughs> so were you what was your percent accuracy on that? I wasn't very good. My the guy that I worked for was a lot better than me. Okay. And he was good enough that like I he stayed in business and when I did my own thing, I couldn't do it. Okay. You know. And uh so yeah. That's yeah. amazing that somebody could just do that as for a living. I love that. People were doing um oil dousing as well and making Whoa. a living. I don't know how much of a living at it yeah. as well where they would use a pendulum and they would kind of like they'd go up this side of the map and get this line. And then they'd go down this side of the map and get this line and find that cross section, you know? And the pendulum would help them know where the yes or the no was. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a tool that's used in a lot of new age healing stuff. Is the uh-huh. pendulum. Uh-huh. So interesting. My wife has actually used the pendulum before I think, and you get just like a simple yes or no to a question. Yeah, it's very easy to get it to go horizontally or circular, you know, like it's, it's just micro movements of, like you said, micro muscle, micro muscle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you think that's kind of similar to what you're dealing with, with the witching too, micro muscle movement? Yeah, I think it's just a tool to, to get, to get you to tell, to, to get your body to tell you what, what it's feeling. It's like a muscle, like what are they, the muscle testing? Have you ever had that done? Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about that lately. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I, my favorite muscle testing one is this, and it really works. We call I call it the fluffy pillow test. So uh-huh. I put my hands out like this, and I have a yes or no question, like, should I go to the store right now during the crisis? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, and I just feel into whether my arms drop, or if there's like kind of like it feels like a fluffy pillow is floating my huh. hands. And huh. if there's a fluffy pillow floating my hands, that's a yes. And if they just drop, that's a no. Huh. It totally works. <laughs> what kind of questions do you ask? Besides like grocery store stuff. You could, anything, honestly. But I, I, I generally tend to use it more for like guidance for right now. Just like, is this, is going out a yes or no? Or is, you know, is buying this thing a yes or no? Or what, you know, just more practical stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I try not to do it like, am I going to earn a million dollars? Because that's, I don't know, probably right. not going to be, probably not going to be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Ben, I think the, the cool thing about, again, tying into what we're talking about, the water witching really ties in back to the land. Is that a skill that people could use to help them find water on their, <laughs> their property? <laughs> Maybe it'll tell them that it's 
in, in the ground somewhere, but it's okay. the real work is getting it out of there. Oh, true. Right. Drilling a well next, right? Yeah. 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 That's cool. And then, it, you know, of course, it's like, well, is everybody going to move out there and drill wells? Like, Oh, true. Uh, I don't that know. would that would affect the water table wouldn't it it might yeah well you know and another thing i think a lot of people are practicing the um, water catchment because that's an alternative mm-hmm. you know um it's so funny i love the idea of water catchments because you know in tucson arizona we had some friends uh actually i think brad oh what's his name i can't remember his last name but there's this guy brad who's like this permaculture expert and he um, really pioneered water catchment systems that are very unique in Tucson, Arizona, because they get like flash floods there. It like rains really hard a few times a year. And then the rest of the year is like super dry, oh. but um, they proved that you can catch all the water that you need in, for the year in those flash huh. floody seasons. Okay. And um, he has larger it, storage than 50, 55 gallon drums. I take it. I, I think so. Yeah. And, and there's like, I think they're more like those, those, huge plastic ones that are the size of a room you know yeah yeah we used to install a lot of those okay Mm -hmm. and like people can they they've taught people how to live the whole year off of one or two of those full and um i think you either put them next to your house or underground and um you know you have a pipe coming off your roof into those and and i think the crazy thing is it was so successful <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it it threatened the water municipality, and so huh. they they started making people get permits to have those and pay money to have those because they uh-huh. were like not making money off the water bills anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think they'd want to like lessen the strain on the system. I know, right? Oh, oh, oh! And then there was another thing. There was like, um, if your water catchment was over a certain size, they would make it. You, you couldn't get a permit because they were claiming that you were catching too much of the water and it wouldn't go into the water table and then they couldn't sell the water. Hmm. So you're you're, taking it back from them. Yes. You're like taking too much water. It's like, wow, this is like something that was like a real thing and like a threat. And so it works, you know, water catchment. So I think that's a great, I think, you know, honestly for me, my, my dream would be to build a living roof and catch water from the living roof because the one thing that, I love about water is that it's been filtered through the ground and it grabs a lot of minerals after falling out of the sky. Mm-hmm. But water catchment off of a roof, what's it catching? Bird poop? Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's enough minerals. So I, I think the idea of a living roof is cool because at least you're still having the water seep through some yeah. earth and then through yeah. the pipes and then into your container. Yeah. So if sure. I ever do it, that's what I would do. Just to I get would love some. a living roof like, like those right? things. Be able to walk up on your roof. Oh, that'd be cool. I like that. I, the idea for me would be to build like a hobbit hole home. So underground and then your your roof would be the hill that it's built into. <laughs> yeah, my wife's parents live down in um, Sea Ranch. Well, they just moved up here, but they have a neighbor who has a house like that. It's like yeah. a, kind of built into the hillside and they have a living roof and there's like deer walking around on their roof. <laughs> Oh my God. Like peeking into their skylight. <laughs> yeah. I don't I, I would hope not. Gosh, maybe, but like, so it'd be weird to see us a, a deer up, like looking down on you. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's really cool. Oh, you're getting my, see now these are where my, these are the talks where my heart gets explosively happy. <laughs> Alternative natural housing. Oh man. I love it. That's so yeah. cool that you are into that too. Yeah. Have you ever read a book called a pattern language? Oh God, I've heard of that. No, I'm going to type it into Amazon right now. 
Yeah, that's a really good one. You know, Powell's has them right now too. Really? Oh, that's um, nice. Thank you for saying Powell's. They have a, I recommend that. I think you'd enjoy it. It's a thick book, but um, it's really easy to skim because it's got like highlighted kind of broken down descriptions on each page kind of about what it's saying. And it starts out, um, there's actually two books. There's A Timeless Way of Building and then there's A Pattern Language, A okay. Pattern Language, which I prefer a lot more. Um, it's a little bit less esoteric. Okay. Um, and it's really just about like community and wow. then it gets into building and then it gets into just like aesthetic building for humans. Um, I think you'd really enjoy it. And it, it has a lot to do with community and environment that kind of thing is well. the community part kind of like the barn raising idea yeah it is a little bit it's not talking about like bringing people together to do community it's like this is what would support a healthy community I love or it. it talks about like having like in a city structure like having like fingers of land that come Ooh. through the city you know Ooh. so you easily access land and Ooh, and that would help migratory animals too right like being able to walk yeah. through the city not yeah. get bl blocked by a wall of asphalt <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah very wow. european but oh that's cool well you know that's interesting that you say that ben thank you for sharing that yeah when we flew over europe into paris and then out of paris i think we flew out of paris over england so we got to at a very low altitude see both france and england uh -huh. it was amazing to see the pattern of the land and the cities and the development and how different it is than america huh how is it different well, okay, so in America, you have these massive open spaces that are just like almost states wide. And then in between the states, you have a few mega, mega cities, right? Uh -huh. And then the only thing you see in between is like farmland with like one house on it and the poor lonely farmer, right? Or maybe, maybe a tiny little community, but it's still built like a city in, in Europe. And you might've seen this from there. Like you see little villages everywhere. And it's very rare to see a big city like you've got Paris or you've got London and then the rest of the country is villages mm -hmm. and the villages are, are not too far apart. You know, they're maybe at the most like a day's walk, but like I'd say most of them are even closer than that. They're like probably, you know, hour to two hour walk. And, and you can tell they were built like that from when people actually had to walk to the neighboring village. You know, and then everything in between is beautiful land or for like strips of forest or a river or, you know, and it's just like so different than America. And it really, it makes sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It feels much more human. Yeah. Much more manageable. When we were yeah. in Portugal a couple of years ago, we took the train up and it was just like, there was, there was a couple on there who looked like, we kind of assumed they were visiting their kids you know, and like from the southern part of Portugal up to the north. And it's just so easy, you know, they, they just like wheeled their suitcases onto the train, sat there, got off and they were there. It wasn't like, wow, it was cheap. It was easy. It was fast. Um, yeah, it was, it was a real human way of travel. Mm. And um, yeah, people like, um, feel like they've really figured it out there over, over the years. And, Ooh. and then they, their cities were built around walking and horses not yeah. 1950s cars that right. can go down the highway to the mall and back. right right
Yeah. I mean, it's funny you, you, you mentioned Portugal because right around the time you were in Portugal, I'd watched that Netflix show. Um, it's beautiful homes or something like that. Mm. Um, or the world's most amazing homes or, and so one of the episodes was all about homes in Portugal. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's beautiful. You might enjoy it. And it's talk about eco homes. I think one of the ones they did there was like a hobbitish style home in the forest. What's the show called? Uh, oh gosh, I'm going to look it up right now. It's like the world's most amazing homes, I think, on Netflix. And there's a Portugal episode. Each episode is a different country. And, and they feature one home, the world's most extraordinary homes is what it's called. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's a, let's see, episode, season two, episode one is Portugal. So I'll, I'm putting, I'm building a little list of links to include in your show notes, by the way. Okay. So we'll put some of these things in nice. there. Nice. If you have a water witching book, we should put that in there. <laughs> I wish I had, uh, I got to get this book back from a friend of mine that it was really cool. It was like someone in the seventies, sorry, this is super off track. But it's okay. Back home in Mendo, someone in the seventies had interviewed all these old time bootleggers who used to like run whiskey down to the Bay area. Wow. And interviewed all these new weed growers. So it was like these two bootleggers of like different generations. Wow. I'm going to find it. That's cool. Yeah. You, you know, you live in a very fascinating part of the country to me. You know, I went on that bike ride for this movie right here within reach. Um, where I, Oh, you remember that project? I bicycled uh, 6,500 miles around the U S to visit a hundred sustainable. Yeah. Communities. I remember you talking about that. Yeah. Well, we started in uh, Willits at the solar living Institute. Oh yeah. And we interviewed the founder of that, which is, um, Oh God. What's the name? Um, I'll include it in the show notes. Yeah, John. John, there you go. John Institute. I got to give him props right now. Founder, John Schaefer. John Schaefer, good job. So he's kind of one of those people. He, but he was the original bootlegger of solar panels. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he bought solar panels from NASA because they were living on the land, but they, um, you know, coming from San Francisco, I think. They I drilled missed... as well, by the way. Did you really? <laughs> Did you really? Uh -huh. That's awesome. So you know him. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's good friends with a lot of my friends down there. Of course. Of course. He's actually, we have one friend who is good friends with us, Sim, and with John. Oh, so. my God. Okay. Um, so then tell me if this story is correct, because what I remember might be different one than what's actually correct. But what I remember him telling us is the reason Solar Living Institute Real Goods even was founded was because they had gone back to the land too, just like you've been talking about with the people in Willits. Um, I think he came from San Francisco. I could be wrong. But um, he was, um, no, it wasn't San Francisco. Uh, oh, I don't know. Oh, you don't know. Okay. But he, he had been like, he'd really liked baseball and watching it on TV and they really liked ice cream. And while they were building their little community land situation experiment um they had craving real real cravings like withdrawals of baseball on tv and <laughs> ice cream so he and his wife figured out they they took the battery from their beetle their bug and hooked it up to their vw bug and they hooked it up to their tv and were able to to watch games that way but they, their battery kept dying and they had to deal with all that so he you know 
con- he just literally contacted NASA and said, can I buy a solar panel from the space stuff that you do? When was that? Uh, it was like in the 1970s. And so they sold, <laughs> they sold him one and he, he was able to like keep his battery charged. And so he was so blown away by that, that he asked them if he could start selling them. Um, and he worked out something with them where they would sell him the old space solar panels or something. And wow. Then, and then he basically helped pioneer the consumer driven solar panel market because of wow. these withdrawals he was having. <laughs> yeah, that's great. God, he has a really nice spread now down there because he sold that business a long time ago. Oh, that's crazy. They moved down to Hopland. Yeah, he opened up a really big one down in Hopland. Yeah, that's the Solar Living Center. Institute, right? And Real Goods yeah. and all that. Yeah. Now it's like kind of like weed dispensary and solar or something or other. Is but it really down there? Yeah, he's got a great spread down there. That's great. Of course, it's weed dispensary, as like you said. The two big things down there. Well, and you know, tying it back to your bootlegger thing, like, like you know, those those kinds of careers were feeding people's addictions or withdrawals right because during during those times they couldn't we couldn't have weed or we couldn't have oh, booze, true. couldn't have you're back to the land you can't have your ice cream yeah so it's interesting <laughs> what did you learn from these people that you interviewed um i am trying to remember i think a lot of it was like no it was too it was too i really like got to get that book back i, I don't even know if it exists <laughs> anymore that's funny Oh, by the way, we just discovered a new drink that you, you might be fascinated by. So you like those um, seltzer waters, the spritzers? Yeah. yeah. So we just got a Costco membership to help us save money for groceries. And um, man, that place is fun. Um, I they, remember that too. They sell these huge, I just posted it to Facebook yesterday, but they sell these huge Irish cream bottles for like <laughs> super, <laughs> I think it's like nine bucks for like a ton, like a month's worth, right? Yeah. And um, we we did it for coffee, but then we were like, the other night we didn't want to drink coffee at night, but we wanted the Irish cream uh-huh. and we didn't have anything to put in it, but we had the spritzer. So I was like, let's try it. Oh my God. It's so amazing. Really? Yeah, Who would mix, have thought to do that? Huh? Mix a shot of uh, Irish cream uh-huh. with about half a glass of spritzer. Ooh, refreshingly okay. creamy. <laughs> oh, I'll try that. That sounds good. Yeah, let's try it. We call it our, I, we, our Costco Irish cream Italian soda. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like an Italian soda. <laughs> yeah. That's huh. good. Try it. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what you think. <laughs> All right. You should start maybe a little Portland um, booth, like cart. Yes. Or in those things. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. People will love them. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great summer drink too. Cause you know, you think of Irish cream as like curling up with a fireplace with the coffee, but mm-hmm. if you want Irish cream, but you're hot, this is a good alternative. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. Right on, Ben. Well, okay. So, what do you what what keeps you busy these days? Are you shooting mostly, or are you editing mostly? Oh, um, well, we're. I'm actually in the middle of a shoot right now. Um, well, thanks we for are, taking time for this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, holiday. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, yeah. But uh, let's see. I I've been remodeling the house. I um, awesome. I started just cleaning up the basement because. Uh, we want to move like kind of an office down there and uh, so office and like the washer dryer and we have like a you know pantry that kind of thing hey the dryer so, will keep you warm down there i remember you asking how to keep it warm down there yeah well what i did was i 
I, I pulled everything down. It was a, a total mess. Like they were growing weed and stuff here at one point. And it was just like the electrical was like a bunch of wow. like meth riddled monkeys did electrical downstairs. <laughs> it was just stupid. And well, I'm so, glad you're fixing that. That could be a fire hazard. Oh God. Yeah, it's, it seriously was. Uh, anyway, wow. um, so then I earthquake retrofitted the basement, which is like straps, you know, you put on, which is, that wow. was a lot of work. Wow. And then I thought, well, shit, the, the furnace is going to go out at some point. We're thinking about probably renting this place out soon. So another year. So I installed a mini split, you know, like the, 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 the on wall kind of things. Like yeah. That. There. Yes. Those are cool. Those are nice, actually. So I put in one of those systems and then, um, cool. yeah, it's just been like one thing after another. We're going to hopefully get sheetrock up there. Next. Where do you think you'll go next? Like your triplex, maybe before the land? I don't know. <laughs> or the land? You're not sure yet, are you? My mom's getting older too, so we have uh, to kind of keep that in consideration. Will you absorb her into your life and your living yeah. situation? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, I bet she's a sweetheart. I actually have been thinking about her and your dad during this interview because I'm like, you know, you just made them sound like wonderful people. <laughs> well, my, who raised you <laughs> my mom mostly raised me yeah okay my dad passed away when i was younger but oh sorry to yeah hear that. you would you would dig her yeah she's hardcore pagan old oh, old, I love it. old pagan lady i probably dig having a conversation with her <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, well i should get going pretty soon here sounds good yeah our audience has been patient with me and you just babbling through all these topics but I enjoy these kind of deep dive conversations with you, Ben, and I hope that our audience gets something out of it too. Cool. But Ben, thank you so much for taking time. As always, you're very inspiring to me. Yeah, likewise, my friend. Oh, I uh, I get inspired by you. It's like your your creativity and you. and sense of like uh, connection. Thank really, you. Really, really meaningful. Oh, thank you, Ben. Yeah. Well, I was, tell I was telling Constance last night that um, or this morning that you're just like the kind of friend that I need in my life because you're very mellow and you calm you bring me down to a more huh. grounded place and um you're just funny as heck and yeah oh we That's... didn't even get to experience your humor today <laughs> <laughs> Ben's funny <laughs> <laughs> so yeah cool, man. thanks man yeah well yeah. say say hi to your wife hope I we will. get to meet her someday soon yeah we should do that um we're yeah. talking about we bumped into some jazz musicians that were like playing practicing across the street in the yard you know social distancing and they're like yeah we'll we'll do like uh garden parties if you know everybody's staying safe and oh separate. my god let us know and we would love to do that with you guys yeah try to figure out a way to to do like something safe. we'll bring our masks and hand sanitizer and stay six yeah. feet apart <laughs> <laughs> all right buddy all right. all right ben thank you yeah have a great day you too all right bye Thank you for listening. You can check the whole podcast out on ryanao.com forward slash sacred rebel, or you can check it out on anchor.fm forward slash sacred rebel. And on either one of those, there will be links to all the other podcast platforms that it will be on, including Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, and more. Thanks so much for listening and stop by again next time.